The text for our consideration this morning comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 29. The Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 29. The Word of God says, The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And this is the word of God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you once again that we can gather today. We can hear from you, Lord. Lord, speak to us today. Let us know what you want to hear, what you want us to do in response as well, Lord. Open our eyes, our ears, and our hearts to receive your word. And if there's anybody here today who has not trusted in the Lamb of God, may they put their faith completely in him. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Throughout time, people have told many stories of great heroes. Many of these heroes would slay great beasts and save villages. Some defeated great armies to deliver them from, deliver people from tyrants. Many times the hero comes in at the last minute to save the day. Many times these heroes look like they'd be great and mighty, but many times they are the unlikeliest of heroes. The Romans and the Greeks had their gods and demigods, and these were their heroes. They were strong and mighty to save. Some were familiar with. Hercules and Thor. But let's fast forward to our modern times. Many are still longing for a hero. Many are still longing to be saved. We have Marvel and DC Comics making many blockbuster, big budget movies that gross millions and millions of dollars that many flock to see every year. There's really nothing new under the sun. Even many of these heroes still have the same names, Thor, for example. But we also have Spider-Man, we have Batman, we have Iron Man. And some of you will be familiar with this saying, look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Superman. Yes. The young kids might not be as familiar with, with that saying anymore. But everyone is looking for a hero. Everyone knows they need a savior. Everyone knows that things aren't how they should be. Even atheists claim there is no God, yet many of them write these hero stories because they know there's something wrong with this world. They are made in the image of God, yet they reject the only one who can save them. Again, this is evident in the love of superhero stories. All these stories are a copy. They imitate the true hero. Many of these stories even have their hero die a sacrificial death to save. This includes, spoiler alert if you haven't read the books or seen the movie, a certain young wizard who wears glasses who died and then came back to save people from the Dark One. 
People can't escape the longing to be saved. The world can't escape the need for a hero. Everyone knows they're in trouble. Everyone knows there is a savior who we need. Everyone also knows they are sinners, yet they love their sin. Everyone knows there is a holy God who is just and righteous. And they hide from him. They suppress the truth of him in unrighteousness. But everyone still longs to be rescued. But are these heroes in these stories, in these comic books, something to behold? Are these heroes worth watching? Are they, look, are they worth looking to for rescue? Are they worth even a look? The true story of the coming hero began back in Genesis when Adam fell in the garden. God told Adam and Eve and directly to the serpent in Genesis 3.15, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. The head bruiser, the head crusher, the hero to defeat the serpent, to defeat the tempter, to defeat the devil, to defeat Satan. God was telling them he is coming. The true hero. And throughout biblical history, we see other heroes. The people cry out to God for rescue. Whether it was Egypt under oppression or Jerusalem under Roman rule, the people cried to God. And often it was their own sin that kept them in oppression, yet the mighty hand of God would rescue them. The people were looking for that promised seed to crush the serpent's head. And the Bible is filled with these stories. Many are unlikely heroes, but we have Moses who delivered people out of Egypt. We have Gideon winning the battle with just 300. We have David defeating Goliath with a sling and a stone. But these heroes weren't the great hero. They were pointing to the one to come. These men were used by God for deliverance, yet they were not the true head crusher. They were pointing to the Savior, the true Savior. And in this text today, when John the Baptist sees this true Savior coming, he doesn't say, look, up in the sky, it's Superman. He says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And that's the part of the verse we will look at today. So much in this one announcement of John to behold the true Savior coming towards him. In the beginning of this chapter, it says that John was sent by God to bear witness to Jesus, Jesus being the true light. He was sent to prepare the way. It says in Isaiah 40, Verses 3 to 5. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight the desert and the highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. John the Baptist is that voice crying in the wilderness. He was baptizing with a baptism of repentance and forgiveness of sins. He urged those coming to him to bear fruit in keeping with repentance. 
And some wondered who this guy was. So the Pharisees sent men to ask him who he was, why he was baptizing. And he said he was not the Christ. He wasn't the Messiah to come, but he was pointing to the Messiah, the true hero. And one day, John baptized that hero to fulfill all righteousness. That is the day when they came up out of the water and the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus like a dove. And a voice from heaven cried, you are my son with whom I am well pleased. The son of God fulfilled all righteousness. And now in this text today, we see on that next day after they were questioning John who he was, Jesus coming to John and John saying, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We will look at this verse in four parts. Typically, it's three parts, but we're going to have four parts today. First, the look. Second, the lamb. Three, the love. And four, the lion. First, we have the look. Let me ask you, what are you looking at? Who are you looking to? We see John say, behold. John is calling those around him to look. See who's coming. This is an imperative. John is calling with great importance. Look. John sees the one walking his way. And this is an emphatic statement to call everyone's attention. This is an announcement that someone very important is approaching. Some scholars say when Jesus is coming towards him, this is right after he's coming out of his wilderness temptation. And John says, behold. But this is the Christ. This is Jesus. Why does it have to be pointed out who he is? Wouldn't they recognize the Savior? Wouldn't people notice this hero, especially his own people? But we also read in the Gospel of John 1.11. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. Or Isaiah 53, verse 2. For he grew up before him like a young plant, like a root out of dry ground. He had no former majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. People were not looking for this kind of hero. They wanted somebody majestic, somebody strong and mighty to save, that looked like they were strong and mighty to save. But was this the form that Jesus came in? He was an ordinary-looking man. Yet here John knows, and he says, Behold! He calls them to look at this man. What are you beholding? What are you looking at? Do you see Jesus coming to you? Have you believed on Jesus? Do you behold him? Do you worship him? Or is he just an ordinary man to you? Why are you here today? Are you here to worship him? Or are you here out of obligation? maybe a friend or a family member? Have you believed? Have you seen the Lamb of God? If you, are, if you have believed, are you doing what John the Baptist is doing? Are you calling others to behold the Lamb of God? Are you pointing them to the real hero? Jesus has walked to you. Don't keep silent point others to Christ. There's nowhere else to look. Children, 
there's nowhere else to look. Teenagers, there's nowhere else to look. Iron Man, Captain America, Superman, Harry Potter cannot save you. Only the blood of the Lamb. There's no other person to look for. He is here. Jesus has come. He is worthy of every look. He is a beauty to behold. He is more than a beauty to behold. He is the Savior of the world. Still, many won't see his true majesty. But we are to still call them to look. We must call them to behold this Jesus who came to his own and his own did not receive him. He is worthy of every look. He is worthy of calling others to behold him. He is worthy to behold. But why? Why should we call others to behold this Jesus? Why should we look to Jesus? Here's our second point, the Lamb. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. If you're going to get an animal to keep you safe in your home, what would you choose? Maybe you would choose a dog. That's typically what people have, a dog for protection. Or maybe if you could, and if it was legal, you'd have a lion, a tiger, a bear. Or maybe if you could, and if it was possible, and they existed, maybe you'd get a dragon. Because a dragon would do really good at warding off people from attacking you. I don't believe the first animal you would think of as a hero, as somebody who protects you, would be a lamb. How could a young sheep be a hero? Why would you want something that's often seen as weak or gentle to be your hero? But what is John really saying here? Why is the lamb something to behold? John knows of the account in Exodus, which we actually read this morning, of the lamb without spot, spot or blemish that was killed by the head of the household. This blood was placed over the doorposts of the house, so the angel of death would pass over that house, and those inside would be saved by the blood of that lamb. The Passover meal was even continued up to the time of Jesus. He was eating the Passover meal on the night that he was betrayed. It was kept through generations. The sacrificial Paschal lamb was known by the people. Also, the sacrifice of animals was done daily in the temple. Imagine the bloody mess and the smells of animals being killed because of the sins of the people. This was a great reminder of what our sin deserves. Romans says the penalty, the wages of sin is death. You and I have sinned against the holy, righteous God. He has given us life and breath and everything. He has been gracious even in giving us the laws and ordinances, the commandments. God says, be holy as I am holy, yet we fail. In the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, they had a sacrificial system. And people were, were to offer their own animals to bring them to the entrance of the tent of meeting. And eventually to the temple to be offered for their forgiveness. And the offering of their, those animals, God gave specific Instructions on how they were to pick that animal. Again, it was an animal without spot or blemish. It was an animal that would be costly to them. 
our sin comes at a cost. These animals were even offered in a specific way. The priests had their instructions on how to kill these animals. And we can read about that in the book of Leviticus, where we most commonly stop in our walk through the Bible in a year. Don't stop at Leviticus. See the Lamb of God in Leviticus. There's a reason every word of the Bible we need to read and know. But at the end of the day, did these animal sacrifices truly save? Are the animals an acceptable substitute for human sin? Hebrews says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. That's in Hebrews 9, verse 22. Did the shedding of bulls and goats and other animals, did their blood cover sin? Can you bring anything to God to atone for your own sin? Maybe you're trying to punish yourself to atone for your own sin. You can't do it. Hebrews 10 verse 4 says, For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrificing sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure The Old Testament sacrifices did not take away sin. While the blood served as a reminder of what our sins deserve, it did not take away sin. It pointed to the true one who takes away sin. It was people's faith in God to provide that took away and forgave their sin. Faith that God would provide the true lamb. Salvation is always Old Testament, New Testament, always by grace faith. As John the Baptist sees Jesus coming, he's also aware of what the prophet Isaiah wrote in Isaiah 53, verse 7. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth like a lamb that is led to slaughter, like a sheep that is silent before its shears. So he did not open his mouth. The prophet Isaiah writes about a sacrificial lamb. The animals brought to be sacrificed were brought by the people. They would bring their own lambs, they would bring their own goats, bulls, turtle doves, and they would offer this to God. But here John says this is the lamb of God. It's God's lamb to be offered. Those around aren't looking for a hero that was going to die. They were looking for a conquering king, but Isaiah wrote of a suffering servant. John proclaims this one who is to suffer. He says, look, behold, here is that lamb. Have you looked yet? Have you looked to the lamb of God? God himself provides a lamb. But why has God offered up this lamb? Why? Why has God given his lamb without spot or blemish? To be sacrificed. This is point three. The love. Behold the Lamb of God. Who takes away the sin. Of the world. I'm sure we are all familiar. With what the Apostle John writes. In chapter three. Of his gospel. For God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes on him. Shall not perish but have. Eternal life for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, 
but in order that the world might be saved through him. God has given his son, the lamb of God. He has done this because, brothers and sisters, he loves you. He loves you. How often do we forget that? He gave his own son, the Lamb of God. He displayed his love, sending his son to live that life that we can't and to die the death that we deserve. And you have trusted in the Lamb. You have trusted in the Son. You have trusted in Jesus Christ. You have looked, you have beheld the Lamb of God. Isaiah 53.10 Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. God crushed his own son. The lamb has been crushed for your guilt. You are guilty of sin. You have sinned against the holy, righteous God. You have rebelled. You have disobeyed God. Yet, God crushed his son for you. God still loves you. He gave his son the lamb. And this was not after you came to him nice and clean and shiny. You stopped sinning. This is not after you did what was right and you became his friend. This is while you were his enemy. This is amazing. We were still his enemy when he sent his son, when Jesus died for us. Romans 5 7 to 8. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore you have been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled. Shall we be saved by his life? Imagine offering your own son for someone else to be sacrificed. We have a story in the Old Testament in Genesis of someone who was willing to give their son. Genesis 22, we read in verse 9. When they came to the place which God had told Abraham, Abraham built the altar and he had laid the wood in order in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For you know that you, for I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted his eyes and he looked and behold, behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by thorns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. And previously, before that all took place, in verse 8, Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. Abraham trusted God and was willing to sacrifice his own son. But we read God provided a lamb, a ram 
caught in the thicket. But this event pointed to so much more. This event pointed to the true Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, his son. While God called from heaven for Abraham's hand to stop from killing his son, it did not stop when he crushed his own son, his own lamb. The lamb of God was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. And Peter writes in 1 Peter, he bore, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. I think of the hymn, How Great Thou Art, in this verse here. And when I think that God, his son not sparing, sent him to die, I scarce can take it in. That on the cross, my burden gladly bearing, he bled and died to take away my sin. This announcement that the Lamb of God was coming their way, calling attention to Jesus, is not a picture of a mighty hero to overthrow King Herod or overthrow the Romans. He is the Lamb given by God to take away sin. Do you hear the call, brothers and sisters? Behold the Lamb. Are you looking to the Lamb? Are you trusting in the final atoning sacrifice of Christ? Or are you trusting in yourself to be your own hero? Are you the captain of your own ship? If you are the captain of your own ship, you will sink and go down with it. Stop trusting in yourself. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away your sin. And this next part would have been shopping, shocking. Not only did the lamb take away the sin of Israel, but he takes away the sin of the world. This is salvation now extended beyond Israel to beyond the Jews. This is for Jew, for Gentile, for Greek, for Roman, for Asian, for African, for white, for black, red, brown, man, woman, child. All who behold and believe in the lamb shall be forgiven and their sin taken away. We are sitting here in New Jersey, so far from Israel, from where this took place. And our sin has been forgiven. We have trusted in the Lamb. We are the whosoever in John 3.16. You will not perish. You have been given eternal life. You have been saved by the true hero. You have been set free from sin, set free from death, set free from hell. Because he took that upon himself. But are you beholding the lamb? Have you seen him? Do you truly know him? Do you look to him every day? And know that your sins are forgiven. The sins that you sinned this morning. Before you came here. Forgiven. The sins that you will sin later after you leave. Forgiven. Why? 2 Corinthians 5.21 For our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. For your sake, he made him to be sin. The lamb has taken your sin. He himself has suffered in your place. You have been saved from the wrath of a holy God. That is, if you have believed. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you shall be saved. 
It's that simple. Not easy to often think about, but it's that simple. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Behold the Lamb of God who has taken away your sin. You can't offer a sacrifice to God. He has given everything for you. The sacrifice of the Lamb has been accepted. You can have full assurance of your salvation. Listen to what the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 10, starting in verse 11. Every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sin. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting for a time until his enemies shall be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us. For after saying, this is my covenant that I will make with them after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and write them on their minds. Then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. Brothers and sisters, the Lamb of God has perfected you. He is sanctifying you. You are being made holy. God so loved you that now in Christ, he remembers your sins a little bit. No, he remembers your sins no more. There's no longer an offering that can be paid for your sins. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. This is something to remember when you're talking to your Roman Catholic friends. I'm sure we all have Roman Catholic friends. In their mass, they believe they are offering a sacrifice. The priest is offering a sacrifice back to God. They believe Jesus comes down into the bread. And when they break the bread, they're offering even though they call it an unbloody sacrifice, they still believe they are offering a sacrifice to God. But Jesus says the work is finished. He said it is done. Jesus has sat down and he will return again. But you can be assured, brothers and sisters, you are saved by that one sacrifice and trusting in him. But he will return. And this brings us to the fourth and final point. The lion. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus Christ is the perfect Lamb of God. He lived a perfect, righteous life. He lived a life perfect obediently to God. This is the active obedience of Christ. And his righteousness, when we believe, is imputed to us. It is credited to us, to all who believe. Now God looks at you as if you have perfectly obeyed. Then the death of the lamb slain in your place takes the punishment for your sin. But that lamb did not stay dead. Death could not hold a righteous man. He is risen. He has ascended into heaven. And as Psalm 110 is quoted in several places in the New Testament, Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father until he returns. The lion of the tribe of Judah triumphed as a slain lamb, but he will return as a victorious lion. In Revelation chapter 5, we read this. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne, a scroll written within 
and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break the seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And he had taken the scroll. The four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down and bowed before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe, nation, language, and tongue. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked, and I heard around the throne, and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering in myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor. And glory and blessing. The lamb slain is the victorious lion. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He has conquered sin. He has conquered death. He has conquered hell. He has conquered Satan. He has crushed the head of the serpent. His atoning blood covers everyone who trusts in him from every nation, tribe, and tongue. He has taken the sin of the world. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. He is the king of Kings, he is the Lord of Lords. He is coming back again, but not as the lamb slain, but as the conquering lion. In Philippians 2, verse 10, it says, So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Everyone will bow before the worthy lamb. Believers will bow in worship, in humble worship, unbelievers in their shame. The conquering lion is coming back, and as we said earlier in the Apostles' Creed, he's coming back to judge the living and the dead. And this judgment is not to present your case of what you've done good to get into heaven, to show your innocence. This is a sentencing. This is the casting of the unrighteous out of the kingdom into outer darkness, the times of ignorance God has overlooked. The command now is for everyone to repent. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah. Look to this triumphant king. Look to this triumphant lion. We can take refuge in him. We are heirs of his kingdom. We have been made by him a kingdom. But those who trust, who refuse to trust, rather, will behold him as the lion. And one day they will be cast into the outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth and the fire is not quenched. But you can flee that wrath. They can flee that wrath that is to come. They can have their sins forgiven. Your sins, believer, are forgiven. The lion was slain as the lamb for you. Your lying, your hating, your covetousness, 
your murderous heart, your adulterous heart, all of this can be forgiven. Your perverse acts, your perverse thoughts, forgiven by the blood of Christ. We know that we need to stop sinning, yet we also know of the one who never sinned. We also need to stop beholding false heroes. One has come. Brothers and sisters, you have beheld the Lamb of God. You struggle against your sin. It's hard to stop. We need to trust in the finished work of Christ. We need to realize there's no other thing satisfying as much as Jesus Christ. Matthew Henry writes this. That it is our duty with an eye of faith to behold the Lamb of God taking away the sin of the world. See him taking away sin. And let that increase our hatred of sin and resolution against it. Let us hold fast which the Lamb of God Let us not hold fast to which the Lamb of God came to take away. For Christ will either take our sin away or take us away. Let it increase our love to Christ, who loved us and washed us from our sins by his own blood. Whatever God is pleased to take away from us, if with all he take away our sins, we have reason to be thankful and no reason to complain. As we head into this new year, let us behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Let me end with this last illustration here. I was recently listening to an uh, Alistair Begg sermon, and he brought this up, and it is fitting because my daughters take dance. Uh, so this is a, a dance illustration. When, when, when dancers learn to do turns, I was calling them spins, but my daughter said, no, they're turns, Dad, they're turns. Okay, sorry. Uh, but when they do turns, and they do multiple turns in a row, you see them spin around, so they're turning around. But they do something, so if I did that, I'd probably fall over. If I, I get dizzy, but dancers do what's called spotting. So they'll pick a spot and focus on that and then turn their head before they turn their whole body. I'm probably describing this poorly, and she'll tell me later. But, yeah. but they do that to, to keep focus so they don't fall down. So they're, they're spotting that spot out in front. Let us keep our eye on Christ. We won't fall down. And if we fall down, he'll pick us up. The lamb will not let us go. He is the lamb of God. The lamb given by God without spot or blemish. He is the lamb of God who bled and died on the cross Take away your sin. He is the lamb who rose from the dead because death could not hold the spotless lamb. He is the lamb slain and victorious, but he is the conquering lion who will return to take us to himself. But this lamb, this lion, this Jesus Christ, he is worth every look that we give him. He is worth believing in. He is worth living for. He is worth dying for. He is the true hero. Urge others to behold the Lamb of God. Point them to the Lamb of God. As John the Baptist says elsewhere, he must increase, I must decrease. Behold him every day. Hold him every day. And realize that your grip might slip on the hold of Christ, on the hold of that Lamb. But he is holding fast to you and he will never let you go. 
Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that you've sent the Lamb, an atoning sacrifice, that his blood covers our sins, that you did that because of your love for us while we were still yet sinners, Lord, while we were still yet sinners. Let us remember that, that glorious truth this day and every day. May we behold that lamb and just look at the preciousness of Christ. He is our savior. He is the true hero of the world. Let us tell others and encourage them to look at the lamb. He is worthy of every look. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Yeah. <laughs>